0: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: Radio 92.9 The Game. time
2: to play the game.
1: Time to play the game! But the
0: sports talk doesn't stop. Sports
1: talk radio that's live, local. And
0: not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud
1: noises!
0: Telling it like it is.
1: You insulted him a little bit, you got a little out of order yourself. And
0: pretty much always right.
1: Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well... We're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome to Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you on this Tuesday evening live in the Kia Studios. Going to be with you for the full three We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. You can use your smartphone. You can use your Alexa speakers. Put it on your tablet, your Roombob, your fax machine, your Epson color printer. Whatever your device is, yeah, whatever your device is, just download it so you can listen in on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. At JMCH 316 is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. Producing the show, as always, on the other side of the glass, he's made it into another week.
3: Tell you what, this is some sort of record right now. Or an exercise in just, like, complete glutton punishment right now by me, yes.
1: Yeah, it feels like you have no... Options uh, at this <laughs> point. So, other than that, it's all good. At uh, Orin Romaine, very interestingly put there, John Yes, yes. yes. Oren Romaine producing at uh, Oren Romaine. All right, we got a lot to cover uh, here tonight. Um, we are going to talk to D. Orlando Ledberg coming up at eight twenty. We'll get his thoughts. Look, what we talk about last week. Okay, I don't care if they won four to one. I don't care how you do it. You look ugly. You play great. Whatever. You have to find a way to win on the road in the NFL. And a divisional game where you've not won on the road since over a calendar year. Things were starting to slip away lately. And you found a way, albeit in the craziest of fashions, but... Mm-hmm. Good and fought. terrible. Yes. Yeah, I, listen, I got no problem. Here's the thing about the NFL, and I tweeted this out, Orn, on Sunday... Because I got home late and then uh, only got to see about the last four minutes of the game live, and then I went back and watched the game. And I love that NFL premium because I can dissect everything and go through all the plays and slow everything down and all that. And then they let you watch the All-Coaches 22 if you want to do all that. But I ain't got time for all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. There's no BCS computers to impress. There's no Harris Poll of former coaches to have to manipulate. There's no college football playoff committee that's involved in this. You either win or you lose. What do I always say? Go to ESPN.com. Click on NFL standings. Look at what the standings are. Click the playoff link, and that will tell you everything you need to know. Everything. Whether you're good, whether you're bad, where you stand, whatever. It, nothing else matters. It's just win, and that's what they did. And look, yes, we'll dissect the three fumbles here coming up in the next segment, but I thought Ritter played well. He did what he had to do. When he had to make plays at the end of the game, he made plays at the end of the game. Defense played really well. You know, they got after Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield couldn't make a play. That's a them problem. That first drive was a thing of beauty. We'll talk about all of that. But, again, they found a way to go on the road and get a victory in the NFL. Now you got to do it again. Because you got the Tennessee Tuttons that you're going to face. I almost said said T-I-T, and then it's, what is it, A-N-S after that? For, that, that's how you spell. Is it? Do you want me to pronounce it? It's the, it's the Sean Connery the, the, the on Alex from, on, The team Jeopardy. from Tennessee. No, yes. no, no, the, no. The, the,
3: t, 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 no. What? No. It's T I T and then A N S. Oh, we can't we can't say it like that. after You spelled the word just now, John. Twice. Oh. <laughs> Twice. Yeah, but that's how you spell it. Why are you pausing in between the last? I had to catch my breath. No, there's no catching. Huh? It's a it's a what? six letter word.
1: Well, I, it takes me a while to just you know I gotta build up enough steam and energy. It's a six you know, letter word, John. We don't we don't do this as often anymore. So I, my vocal cords spell yes. My vocal cords you know are not in shape enough to to talk about all this. Oh
3: God, why is it not ten o'clock?
1: So I, I gotta take a little pause, and and you know again it's remember did you did you see the movie Night Shift? Did you No,
3: I didn't see the movie Night Shift. Okay,
1: it's a great movie. It's Michael Keaton's first ever movie. And and he breaks down the word prostitution. And he breaks, breaks it down into P-R-O-S, and then the T-I-T, and then the Yushin, and he breaks it all down. That's what we just did. No.
3: Not no. Huh? No. What? It is 7.07, and I already
1: have a headache. I've got some... Uh, I've got some medicine. i got some ibuprofen down yeah, in the car. Yeah, I'm going to need, I'm gonna need a, that or whatever, oh, whatever actually, they gave
3: Bijan to kind of get him right on Sunday. Yeah,
1: actually, I think I've got a baby aspirin down there, too, that you can, you can have. Why so. do you have a baby aspirin? Because I take a baby aspirin every day. Oh, okay, because you're – Yes, because of my heart, yes. Know. So it, it thins your blood out. So. There you go. Right. Uh, but I can give you one of those. I, you can pop four of those. I mean, no, that's okay. I don't okay. need to pop any baby aspirins. Um, but anyway, look, you got to go on the road and do it again. You know, that's the thing is uh, life in the NFL – Gotta go do it again. And this is a bad team. Like, the Titans are just, they're a mess. They're not very good. Uh, I believe that are they looking at starting Malik Willis, I believe. They're looking at maybe playing
3: two quarterbacks this week, right. Malik Willis and Will Levis. Oh,
1: yes. Oh, I did I did hear the Will Levis name too. Woo-wee. Listen, that'd be a heck of a rotation if this was in college. If if this if this was a college quarterback, this would, that'd be a heck of a rotation. Will Levis and um, Malik Willis, that'd be a heck of a rotation in the NFL. Yeah, not so much, but look, the Falcons, um, I believe I'm right on this. They're a one point favorite on the road. Are they not the two point favorite? Oh, okay. So that line has jumped up a little bit. They're a two point fan. How about that? When's the last time the Falcons were a road favorite? Whoo. So the Falcons go in as a two-point favorite on the road. We'll talk about the Bijan John Robinson stuff as well. Um, I I don't understand. Just I don't have a problem with him not playing, but when you hear some of the things that he was saying, I'm wondering if he shouldn't have been in the protocol. When you start talking about, I didn't know where I was when I woke up, like, okay, and I wasn't feeling right, and I was groggy, like maybe he should have gone in the protocol for all that, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get more uh, into that. Um, Onyeka Kangu signs an extension. So that's good. Um, Hawks obviously open up in Charlotte coming up tomorrow night. We'll talk about the Hawks a little bit later on at nine o'clock, get your thoughts and uh, your expectations about uh, where this season uh, is headed. Um, you know, are they a better roster? today than they were when they lost to the Celtics, you know, to finish off the season. Mm, I think it's a very debatable thing. I think it's very debatable. Maybe they will be a better team. Maybe there's addition by subtraction, but just on paper, you say to yourself, okay, are they really a better overall team? They've got some of their guys locked up now, right? I mean, they've got plenty of guys locked up. Okongwu and Trey Young and, uh, DeAndre Hunter and um, Dejounte is locked up, and Capella's got another what, one or two years on his deal. So, uh, by the way, they did not offer the rookie extension to Sadiq Bay, so he will become a restricted free agent at the end of the year. So they can match any if there's an offer for him, they can match. I wonder what their plan will be, though. Will will they will they look at realistically sign him? Certainly, this year will obviously play into all of that, and and they'll have a chance to look at it. But um, you know, without a John Collins, you figure Sadiq Bay is going to get a significant amount of playing time this year, and uh, you know we'll see what that what that looks like. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. Um, not a very good defender, but um, certainly can score the basketball. Uh, Rangers did advance to the World Series. Who's that manager for the uh, Rangers? What's that guy's name? What, what, oh gosh, I can't remember. It's, Bruce, it's, huh? Mochi. Oh, has he ever been to the World Series or anything? Yes. Oh. He sounds like Nick Nolte. Is he, let me ask you, modern day, like let's say over the last 25 years, is he the best manager in Major League Baseball over the last 25 years? I think he's better than Joe Phoney. I think he's better than Tony Fraud-Russa. Better than Dusty. I think better than Dusty. He's got three World Series and that's with San Francisco and now he's got a chance for another one and they were outstanding this year. He might be the best manager over the last 25 years. So they uh they uh get to the World Series. Now we've got Game 7 tonight in Philadelphia. My heart is rooting for the d bags or what is their what's their nickname? The the the, the what? The deep the deep D-backs. The deep bags C K S. Huh? Oh, it's a C K S. Yes. Oh, okay. So that's that's c- C-K-S. 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 CKS. Okay. That that sounds even dirtier than just. You know saying. what? Have you handed in your resignation yet? <laughs> I, I got I
3: got I got the draft saved <laughs> on my phone right. there to send to Conti. and it's not a quiz. It's just, I'm out. That's just gonna say I'm
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Listen, my heart says the D-backs win tonight, or I want them to win. My head says they're not going to shut down Philadelphia in a Game 7 at home. But we'll see. Again, I don't think that Major League Baseball is clamoring. Here's what we do know. Uh, What was the stat I saw from Bob Nightingale? This will be the, um, like, sixth consecutive non-repeat World Series champion, because obviously... Any of these teams have not repeat, you know, Texas, Arizona, Philadelphia. So um, I think it's like six years in a row that we will not get a a repeat champion or something like that, or or a new champion or whatever that uh, that hasn't won it of late. So uh, again, we'll uh, we'll see what goes on with uh, game seven. Uh, very quickly, Giannis signs an extension. How about this, Orn? Is this living good? Three years. 168
3: million dollars. He joins uh Jokic as what the 60 million dollar men in the
1: NBA right now. He didn't he just sign for 252, the supermax deal, when he signed that thing for a quarter billion. That's the
3: way they do it now. You sign, you get that opt out, whatever quickly, and then you re sign again and get more money when the cap goes up. What seems like exponentially every other year now. He's
1: going to be a half billion dollar player. And not in 25 years. It'll be like six years. Six or seven years, he'll be a a half-billion-dollar player. Crazy. Uh, We'll talk to Chad Bishop coming up at 740. That was a dreadful game for Georgia Tech. Another dreadful 50-50 game for Tech. PU. And it is UGA Florida week, so we got that look forward to. Uh, I think Georgia's going to kick the crap out of Florida, but that's just me. All right, thoughts about the Falcons game coming up. Chuck Green, the Key of Studios, hanging out with you on this Tuesday evening. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call
0: silenced.
3: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
1: Hanging out in the Kia Studios Tuesday night with you. 404-726-0929. That's both our phone line and our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. About 20 minutes from right now, we'll talk to uh, Georgia Tech beat writer for the uh, AJC, Chad Bishop. Uh, In an hour from right now, we will talk to D. Orlando Ledbetter and get his thoughts about um, what we saw on Sunday and obviously coming up against the... uh, the Titans and uh, look, that's a game where you need to be able to try to win that game and start to get yourself a couple of games over 500, start to, you know, get yourself a little bit more ahead in the division. Look, the Falcons found a way to get it done. Was it pretty? No, by no stretch of the imagination, 16, 13, they beat Tampa Bay. Look, I, I, and again, I'm not glossing over the turnovers, but Ritter was 19 for 25 that's 76 percent completion, 250 you know passing yards, 10 yards an attempt. that's an outstanding number. He only took the one sack, had a 1071 rating, believe it or not. And I know the three fumbles. Now, okay, we'll break this down. So the first fumble that was a blitzkrieg that that was that was all out. He got whacked and the ball comes out. He couldn't, he didn't have enough time to even just throw it up and out of the out of the air or anywhere on the side or whatever. That was just an all-out blitz. The second fumble, I I've I've watched that play more than the Sapruder film, the, the Warren Commission on the Sapruder film. I I I think I think Dalman snapped it a little bit kind of almost short-armed when you watch it and i watched it from all kinds of angles because the ball it didn't look like the ball had come and it slipped out of his hands the ball goes up and then it bounces right on the turf like it it just it literally is like if you bounced it off of your phanoby area and it went right to the turf that's what it that's the way the ball bounced on there Maybe it's his, but that was, you know, a, a combination of both him and Dahlman just, and again, we've seen Drew Dahlman have his issues snapping the football. That, that um, uh, what was it? The, uh, was it the game-winning drive where he almost made an errant snap on that one when Ritter was in shotgun and he kind of threw it to his left, uh, hiked it to his left, and Ritter had to make a nice play on it. So, again, um, I'm not blaming it all on Dahlman, but I think he's definitely part of the blame on all of that. The third fumble, you have to protect the football there. Like If if all else, you have to protect the football. Yes, I know Winfield made a play. He absolutely did, and he's an outstanding player. He's in that draft of Tristan Wirfs. Did they get two good guys out of that draft, Tristan Wirfs and Winfield? Did those guys help win a Super Bowl for – oh, okay. Are they really good players? I mean – Worf's only first-team all-NFL, anyway. Um, he made a play. But you have to protect the football. You have to secure the football when you get down there. That's most important. So I'll give, I'll give that one to Dez. Um, that was a blunder on, on his end. First one, that was a jailbreak. And, and that's one of those plays that can happen. That's why you jailbreak if you're a defense, Right. And again, the way our offensive line passed blocks at times, and you know, that was that was just, you know, the quarterback never had a chance. Second one again, I I just I, I think a lot of that was on Dalman, but I'm willing to split the sides on all that. So, yes, I, I get that those are big plays and those are moments in the game that really matter. But their defense found a way. And I'll say again, when Ritter had to make a play at the end of the game, he made plays at the end of the game. And he did enough big plays in that game, whether it was with his legs, whether it was hitting Kyle Pitts on that final drive. You know, he did what he had to do. It doesn't always look good. And and there are things that those kinds of things can be cleaned up. Center, quarterback, exchange you know, securing the football back. Like, those are things that can be cleaned up. But he wasn't making errant throws. Um, I think he only had one turnover-worthy throw in that game. So he's improved that, and it's going to be a process. And and I know Mike and Carl were arguing about, you know, expectations and all these different things. I saw the clip and everything. You know, again, I think there's some – I think there's some – I think there's some truth to be had for both sides. Yes, Ritter should have played more than he did last year. They fooled themselves into thinking that they could be a playoff team. They fooled themselves into thinking that they were in contention. They were never in contention. Can I tell you, I don't care what the math says, they were never in contention. When you watch that team, they were the furthest thing away from a playoff team, especially with Marcus Mariota. Nothing about that team said, oh, that could be a playoff team. Nope. So that was never realistic. And I think they didn't play him enough last year and took their lumps and should have taken more of the lumps and, and groomed him to be more. Now, at the same time, they're not a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. You know, I know Brian Baldinger said, well, if you add Tom Brady, yeah, every team in the NFL, if they had Tom Brady in this prime, would, would be a Super Bowl team. You could take the Tennessee Titans and make them a Super Bowl team with with some of the guys they have on their defense and some of the guys they have on their offensive line and a Derrick Henry. Yeah, you could you could make the Tennessee Titans into a Super Bowl team. Because he's the greatest, he's the greatest quarterback and maybe the greatest player in the history of the NFL. How often do those guys come along? Didn't we talk about this last week, Orn? There's only three quarterbacks that are that have started over the last couple of weeks that have won a Super Bowl. There are other quarterbacks that have played in Super Bowls, but there's three Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks in the league right now that are playing. One is obviously Hurt and Aaron Rodgers, and there's three guys. So uh, Falcons ran the football really well. They averaged over four yards a carry against a really good defensive front. They ran it 38 times to only 25 pass attempts. That's the kind of balance that they need. That's what they need balance-wise. It can't be 47-26. to 26. And I promise you, they had the same mentality that Tampa Bay Buccaneers did as every other defense. But you know what? You, you block better. You win better. You do what you have to do. You play call better. Everything. And the Falcons picked up 156 yards on the ground, over four yards a carry. Cordero Patterson, he looked like the old guy. Ten carries, 56 yards. Algier had 59 yards you know, on the ground, and you kind of churn it out. And what did Bill Parcells always say? Let me know what my rushing attempts are. Forget how many yards, forget how many yards per carry, how many touchdowns, whatever. Let me see my rushing attempts, and I'll tell you if we won or not. Well, they had 38 rush attempts, and, um, and Desmond Ritter, by the way, too. I thought he ran the football effectively. You know, if he can give you one or two good plays – in the running game every week. Obviously, the touchdown run was a really good play. The 19-yard scramble that he had. If he can give you just a couple of plays where there's that threat every week, that's going to help out the running game as well. And their defense did what they had to do. They picked up three sacks. You know, Oren, they're on pace for 38 this year. Which would far
3: and away eclipse what they had the last two years. So, since you're new to the show,
1: we have gone through all of the sack stats. Do you know what percentage of teams since 2016 have, uh, let me put it like this teams that have had 38 or more sacks since 2016? Do you know the percentage of teams that end up in the playoffs? Let's say probably 90%. Not quite that high, but just over 70%. Okay. The last 14 Super Bowl participants have averaged 44 sacks. If you can get to 38 sacks, and my magic number has always been 40, that's the key number. You can get to 40 sacks, you'll be a playoff team. You'll be a playoff defense. I don't care whatever other things you can do. You can get to 40 sacks, you'll be a playoff defense. And they're right there on that cusp. Again, 70% of the teams in the NFL with 38 or more sacks since 2016 have made the playoffs. Now, here's the other thing, too. So, Oren, I did a little math, did a little research, okay? Because I had a little time, okay? Let's go back 10 years into the wayback machine. Starting in 2013, these are teams, Oren, that averaged offensively 20 points or less, the number of teams that averaged 20 points or less in the NFL in a given year. Okay? Start in 2013, it was eight teams that did that. 2014, 10 teams. 2015, 7 teams. 2016, 8 teams. 2017, 12 teams. 2018, seven teams, 2019, 10 teams did it, 2020, four, 2021, 10 teams, 2022, 12 teams. This year, 13 teams are averaging 20 points or less scoring. And didn't we just talk about last week, nine teams won scoring 20 points or less. As the first time since 1999, a quarter century ago. So this is not the glory days of NFL school. People talk about oh, all the scoring and everything like that. Really? I have hear that. Or, can you hear that? I do. You're rattling around facts. I got the numbers for you. So, again, it's not like every team in the league is lighting it up offensively. You don't have to score – again, we'd love to score 26 points a game and all this kind of stuff, but you can win in the NFL scoring 18, 19, 20 points. It's happening all across the league. The Falcons were a prime example of all of that this weekend. So, I'm with Arthur Smith. I don't care – you don't apologize for a win in the NFL. You never apologize – especially for a road win in the NFL. Oh, well, their schedule's easy. Well, guess what? At the end of the day, it ain't going to matter if you win your division. Nobody's going to start comparing your schedules and all this kind of stuff. You get to the playoffs, you get to the playoffs. You have to still win ball games to get to the playoffs, and especially if you can win the right games. Because right now the Falcons are 2-0 and in their division right now. If you can win the right games – That's what you need to do. Road, home, whatever. Be good in your division. Be good in the conference. Start with those two things. First, be good in your division. Second, be good in your conference. And accumulate wins. And that's what happens. You find yourself in the playoffs. I'm not worried about Super Bowls and all this kind of stuff. It would do Desmond Ritter an immense amount of good to get into playoff football environment would do him a world of good. And if you can't see that Desmond Ritter is getting better each week with the way he's throwing the football, I I can't help you at that point. All right, we'll go to the other end of the spectrum and we'll talk some tech football with uh, Chad Bishop as uh, that was a dreadful loss at home to BC. Tucker the Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, back at a Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on a Tuesday night with you. 404-726-0929, that is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech line. Well, we're talking about the Falcons and finding a way to pick up a victory. Well, the opposite was true on Saturday down at the Flats as uh, Boston College comes in and puts 38 up on Tech. They lose by just over two touchdowns, 38-23. to 23. Let's head out to the wadeford.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy, Chad Bishop. He, of course, is the beat writer for Georgia Tech for the uh, AJC. AJC AJC.com is where you can check out all of his work. You can find him on his personal Twitter page at Mr. Chad Bishop. Chad, as always, buddy, thanks for a few minutes uh, on the show. Uh, That was a rough one on Saturday to have to watch some of that stuff.
2: Yeah, it was. And, um... I had a lot of time to process that game. It was, it was a really disappointing performance all around. I think from tech's perspective, given what they had just done at Miami, having a week off to prepare for that game, preaching about playing four quarters and 60 minutes of football, knowing they had to stop Thomas Castellanos and that vaunted Boston college rush defense and, and giving up that lead in the fourth quarter and, and simply sort of collapsing there down the stretch. So it's a, I know it left everybody's head scratching. Even even today, I got the sense from Brent Key that he's very frustrated frustrated with his team's inability to play consistent football, and that's where they are now, sitting at three and four. And it doesn't get any easier having to host North Carolina on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and you know, to your point about the consistency, they haven't won two games. They haven't lost two games in a row, but they haven't won two games in a row. It's been win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss. You know, I mean, all the way through. The season and, you know, when you we, look, Chad, we've talked about this, you know, a 100 times every time you have come on those 50-50 games. They have really not gone Tex way this year and they just can't seem to build any momentum off of a win.
2: They go and beat Wake Forest, which at the time I thought was one of their, if not their best performances of the year, really all around and especially on the defensive side of the ball. Come home and lay an egg against a Bowling Green team, which Bowling Green is now four and four, but that's the team Georgia Tech should beat. And then you go on the road and you upset a ranked Miami team with a with a miracle play with 26 seconds left. You drive down the field and win that game, and you come home and you're favorite against a Boston College team, which again is is not a bad football team, but one you need to win at home. And so, I don't know if it's just a case of this Georgia Tech program sort of finding itself under Brent Key, sort of figuring out how to win consistently, sort of still searching for its identity, which Brent Key talked a lot about last week. Uh, you know, who is this football team? Maybe that just is their identity, right? Maybe this is just a 500-football team. They'd be fine with that because that would get them to a bowl game. Uh, and I know in lo- the long term that's not what Brent Key wants, but maybe in 2023 that's just who these Yellow Jackets are.
1: Chad Bishop joining me here on the com hotline, the Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta journal constitution. Two stats that stand out to me. Um, They're actually a pretty good third down offense. They're 28th in the country on third down, but two numbers that really stick out to me, Chad, their third down defense. They're 109th in the nation on third down defense. And they're also 119th in red zone defense. Teams have scored 26 out of 28 times in the red zone, against them, 13 touchdowns and 28 attempts. If you can't get off the field on third down and you can't find a way to have a few stops in the red zone, it's going to be a long year for Tech because I don't think they can win 45 to 40 every week. <laughs>
2: it's, it really is sort of a broader issue, you know, for the Tech team and the Tech program. That Again, that's that's what Brent Key has talked a lot about is the, the consistency, and that's sort of a microcosm of this team, right? You know, playing – Pretty good defense, maybe on first and second down, and then just can't get off the field. And, and Boston College is even pretty good about doing that on fourth down, which they knew going into the game that was going to be an issue. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of defenses, right, can bend and not break, but this Tech defense continues to break. Uh, and despite having some good defensive performances, whether it's games in total or or series or quarters, uh, they cannot put those sixty minutes of football defensively together you know, even against Miami, right? You know, they held Miami to three points in that first half, uh, but did not play very well in the third quarter and let Miami take the lead. Um, it, it's just, uh, it, it's one of these things that they've got to figure out a way to write to the ship defensively and time is running out and made the switch of defensive coordinator, putting Kevin Shearer back there. And that looked like maybe it uh, was just a band-aid to the situation because they played well against Miami, but then came out and did not play very well against Boston College. So again, it's it's back to the drawing board for them to try to figure out a way to, to fix some of these defensive issues. Um, pass or excuse me, uh, Rush defense has been an extreme problem for them. Getting to the quarterback has been an extreme problem for them. They've got to figure out to sort of mask some of their weaknesses if they want to win some games down the stretch. So the last
1: couple of games for Haynes King have been not exactly a thing of beauty. 12 for 25 against Miami, 14 for 32, maybe his worst game they've played um, this year. But two touchdowns in five Interceptions. Now, he ran the football great, but just the amount of turnovers. I mean, again, we talk about I, I thought one of the things about this team that has been uh, the big difference is they actually have a quarterback, not, not just a guy who's an athlete playing quarterback, but they have a legitimate quarterback. Last two weeks have been rough. Like this has not been very good for Haynes King these last couple of games.
2: No, it hasn't. I, I sort of equate it to a starting pitcher, right? You know, a starting pitcher may get off to a hot start, but then, you know, offenses and defenses adjust. The scouting report is out. This is where the guy is throwing the ball. That That's sort of what I've seen from my eyes is defense, defenses have sort of adjusted to the Georgia Tech playbook and to, to Haynes King. Now, one of his interceptions against Boston College was sort of a, a freak nature thing where a kid, you know, catches the ball on the back of his hip and takes it for six on the other hand if if the throw was was probably placed in the right position, he's not able to make that play. but I digress i mean Haynes King he knows that you know he it, those interceptions are not one hundred percent on him, but he's going to have to take the blame for him because the, he is the quarterback, and that's the nature of the position so uh one of the major issues too with with his play in for Georgia Tech's offense is they have not run the ball consistently. Frankie talked about that today they'll get you know brake or excuse me Haynes King has a seventy one yard touchdown run. You know, but the next run might be for two yards, and the next run might be for one. And we go back to the consistency factor where the run game is not there, so defenses are able to sit back and say, All right, we know you can't run the ball on us, so we're going to drop in coverage. We're going to confuse this quarterback. And we're going to try to get some interceptions. And so it's incumbent upon Buster Faulkner, the offensive coordinator, and Chris Winke, the quarterback's coach, and Haynes King to figure out a way to get back on track and get back to throwing the ball that they were early in the season.
1: Chad Bishop joining me here on the com hotline. Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. So, with all of that said, um, you know they sit at three and four now, and you know if you look at the you know ACC and just you know the idea of getting to a bowl game. Because again, I I don't know that it matters how you get there, but there are still certainly some winnable games. I mean, look, they did beat Carolina last year, but you would have to figure that Carolina Georgia. That's games that they're not going to be favored in. Virginia, Syracuse, and then all of a sudden, Clemson can't get anything figured out. And I've seen, I've seen better Clemson teams lose to Georgia Tech than, than what this is. So, you know, sandwiched in between Carolina and Georgia at the very end of the year, there's some games that can be had that if they are trying to get to a bowl game, you still might be able to find a way to get to six when all is said and done.
2: Yeah, the the road is not easy. You're right, and especially when you look at it on paper. You know, got to win three of the final five, and I don't. You know, maybe they're they're going to be favored against Virginia on the road. Probably going to be favored against Syracuse at home, but outside of that, they're they're going to be underdogs in in three of those five: North Carolina, Clemson, and Georgia. Uh, I, I like what you said. You get to six wins, it doesn't matter how you get there. Shoot, they got to 3-3 and halfway through the season, and no one thought they would beat Miami and lose to Bowling Green, right? So Mm -hmm. it's all about just just finding a way to get there. And you look at this week's matchup, you say, you know, they're 11.5-point underdogs to North Carolina. Yeah, they beat them last year. But North Carolina is coming off that loss to Virginia, and I I don't think that bodes well for Georgia Tech because I think they would probably rather North Carolina come to town undefeated with all the pop and circumstance, talk of the college football playoff, now, those Tar Heels are probably going to be a little bit mad, not necessarily licking their wounds. So, I, I think Georgia Tech going to be in for a big time dogfight on Saturday night. But if they pull that upset like they did last year, you're back to four and four because they've alternated losses and wins all year long. So, again, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter how they get to six, but they got to get that Syracuse game. They got to get that Virginia game and then they got to figure out a way to pull off an upset here in the, in the final stretch of the year.
1: Yeah. And, and look, um, say what you will. And I keep pointing to that, that Clemson game because Clemson's a mess right now. And, and the Dabo, you know, Dabo and his quarterback, like things are not going well up at Clemson. And I'm not saying that they're going to go up there and win. And it's guaranteed. But again, if there was a year where you could find a way, just like last year when they found a way to go into Carolina, this feels like maybe as good of a chance because, again, if Haynes King can sling it around and he can get himself back on track, maybe you can find a way to to beat a Clemson team up there in Death Valley. I mean, again, I guess, like I said, I, stranger things have happened for Georgia Tech in, in those Clemson games, but I, I think if there was ever a year... This might be kind of like the best opportunity in probably at least a
2: decade that they have a chance to go up there and beat Clemson. And the thing I'll say about that, and still after seven games of this Georgia Tech team, I still – I still am confident when I go watch them play that they're going to be in a game, right? They haven't necessarily been blown out by anybody. Mm -hmm. You look at the old miss score and that got away from them in the fourth quarter, but that was a one score game in the fourth quarter. They lost a 15 uh, to to Boston college, but they had a fourth quarter lead in that game. They they have kept games close by and large. So you're right. you, You go on the road and face a Clemson team that's been all over the map and been struggling and has had a lot of, a lot of issues internally and externally and you sort of trust the, the Georgia Tech offense, despite them you know, having some, some tough games here recently. Uh, they're still you know, averaging 23 to 25 points a game, and Haynes King is still a special talent. I, I sort of trust them to sort of fix their issues offensively. If they can put it together defensively, they can go on the road and beat Clemson. They can, they can go hang with anybody. And so maybe there's win number six right there, right? If they can find a way to beat Virginia and find a way to knock off Syracuse, uh, you got that Clemson team sitting there who's, who's reeling and having some real struggles. Maybe that's win number six. But I, I also think it would be a lot of fun if Georgia Tech was sitting at five and six, going into that Georgia game with a chance <laughs> like they were last year to maybe get bowl eligibility and maybe spring the upsets of all upsets. But I, I'm sure we'll talk about that when that time comes.
1: Yeah, and and uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't I don't even want to think about that. Uh, I don't I don't no. want to, I don't <laughs> I, I want them to wrap this thing up before it even gets uh, to that point. Uh, last question for you, Chad. What has been the biggest surprise um, for this team, whether it's a unit, a player? what's What's been the biggest kind of bright spot that maybe you didn't expect um, seven games through the season?
2: Well, we've talked a lot about Haynes King, but to me that, that still remains the story of this football team. As you mentioned, I mean, Georgia Tech, to me, has a quarterback now, and the kid is only a redshirt sophomore. He's got eligibility left and they have really tailored this offense around him and have, has given that offense an identity, for for my money's worth. So I, I know what I'm getting when I go watch Georgia Tech play. I know Haynes King usually is going to be very good, and I think he's only going to get better. Uh, his decision-making, for the most part, until the last couple weeks has been outstanding. Uh, he's protected the ball, again, outside of the last couple games, has been pretty good. Um, and we kind of forget he's still kind of a young kid, even though he played a couple of years at Texas A&M and has played all these games at Georgia Tech now. So I, I think coming out of fall camp, them not naming him the starter till what was it, two weeks before the opener. And for him to come out and play the way he has and, and take ownership of a lot of his mistakes and lead the offense uh, and be held ac- accountable publicly and privately. Uh, That's been kind of a feel-good story for me, and and I think something that Georgia Tech fans can be excited about, the future of the program and the offense with with him behind center.
1: Well, it's going to be a fun game with uh, Carolina, and uh, obviously they have a NFL big-time caliber quarterback. Chad Bishop is the Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of his work, and you can follow him on his personal Twitter page at... Mr. Chad Bishop. Chad, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes uh, on the show. We will certainly chat again with you here very soon. All right, my friend. See you. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, it will be time for the Falcons flyover. We'll look at the pro football focus grades against Tampa, and we'll also hear from Arthur talking to his presser yesterday. And now the NFL is asking questions themselves. Call next, Falcon flyover, top of the hour, Chuck key Studios.